And we are live, man. What up, what up, man? It's your friendly neighborhood man, J5TH. I am live in the building. It's the Patio Politics, man. We got a very, very special guest today. Man, the topic today is Scorpio Kings and Lavish Dreams, man. You heard me? Scorpio Kings and Lavish Dreams, man. It's going down in a patio right now, man. Shout out to LP, the host, DJ Infant J. I am your friendly neighborhood man, J5th. We're going to get into it right after this, man. Let's go. Trying to be part of your life. We got whatever you like. Come on and just give us a try. Yeah. Cause it's right up for life. Trying to be part of your life. We got whatever you like. Yeah. Come on and just give us a try. Yeah. I said it's right up for life. Come in with the shows that you like. We trying to be the best on the mic. DJ playing constant you like. Yeah. Start of your day, or maybe just the end of your night. Uh, uh. But if you rock it with us, patio politics is gonna do you right. Oh, Yes, yes, we hope you stay a while. Shit, stay all night, stay all morning, whatever time of the day it is, man. But we back. Patio Politics. Your friendly neighborhood, man. J5TH, we live in the building, man. But right now, I'd like to bring on a very special guest, man. He's joining us live. This is my brother from another mother. I love him dearly. Super talented, extraordinary. Nary in a lot, a lot of ways. Y'all going to hear he's a philosopher in my eyes and very brilliant and intelligent. Um, let me stop ass kissing my brother, man. And let me bring him on. My man, Tyler Anton Gordy. <laughs> man, don't be sounding like Barry White, man. What's happening with it, man? Shit, man, you know, be present, brother. Present and powerful. Man, so how you feeling, man? Just like that. Present and powerful. <laughs> undefeated. That's the year. That's the word of the year. Undefeated. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. Glad to have you here. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, shout out to LP, the host, and DJ and for Jay. They're not present right now, but they're here with us in a spiritual form. So shout out to them, man. Shout out to Cedric, who did that lovely intro, and Uncle Wiz, who excuse me, produced the track, or whatever the case may be, man. But um, let's get right into it, man. What's your favorite Tom Hanks movie? Let's stop playing. Forrest Gump, man. Forrest Gump? It's Every my grandmother used to watch us in the summer, and that was the one movie she put on every night when it was time to go to bed. Them summer times in Indiana get hot, bro. Ah, so that's what I remember. She yeah. you throw the sheet on that couch, and Forrest Gump go on, and the lights go out. Grandma going to bed. Don't be don't be too loud. All right, man. So I seen Forrest Gump when I was little. I think it's one of his dopest movies, uh, for sure, for sure. Top top three, actually. Um, what you want with Castaway, Big? Ah, there you go. There you go. See, Big is my number one. I figured you. I, yeah, I, I fuck with Big, man. Big, you know you what, man? You from the old school. You from the old school. Man, I would have to go with Big and um, 
uh, fuck, a league of their own. Oh. Yeah, I have to go with that. I gotta, okay. I, I, <laughs> see, I, I watched these movies when I was too young to appreciate yeah. a lot of things about them. So when I heard Tom Hanks talk about a league of their own when he got older, yeah. or when I got older, rather, it made a lot more sense to me because he was like, I'm sick of playing the guy who's got the thing, and then he goes to the girl, yeah. He was like, I want to play somebody who's older, bitter, had like life kind of fucked them over. Yeah. And that's that's definitely that guy. That's definitely that guy. See, Forrest Gump, man, it, it, it fucked me up because I was looking at it like, you know, when you young, because I was young when I watched it too, when you seen the principal go visit moms, man. And I'm like, okay, they making noise in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they humping and shit. Then the older I got, I'm like, damn, he was smashing moms, man. So he getting, his, you know, I was like, damn. I, I always knew that. <laughs> I always just thought that the, the kid force response yeah. was, you can't buy that yeah. kind of organic. <laughs> The way that little boy just looked at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, bro, have you ever had a child make fun of you for having sex the way that you have sex? Exactly. Exactly. What? So who's your who was your favorite character outside of Lieutenant Dan? Lieutenant Dan? Yeah, man. Gary Sinise. Shout out to Gary Sinise, bro. That was the one person. I've not been, I don't get starstruck, but I appreciate artistry. So when I first moved here and I would was getting on set and I was seeing people who I had seen in TV shows and movies coming mm -hmm. up. That was the one person who I was like, Mr. Sinise. Because, bro, of Mice and Men. Yeah. Let's go, George. He's dope. Like, come he's on. Dope. And then, like, he's got the Veteran Foundation that he uh, started and everything. Like, shout out to Gary Sinise. So, man. so you actually met him? Yeah, I was on set with him. I it could technically say I did some acting with him. I was doing background stuff, but, like, it had to be interactive. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, how, how was he? How was he? He was really cool, man. He was the most down. I've, I've been around people on set who. I don't want to say they're bigger names, but like it's like depends on what community you come from, right? So if you're mm -hmm. in like the white community, Garrison Sinise is probably bigger to you, and you probably don't know who Anthony Anderson is uh, by name. But yeah. like if you're in the black community, you for sure know Anthony Anderson by name, and you may not know Gary Sinise, even exactly. though you know Lieutenant Dan. You know Lieutenant Dan, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So like I've been on set, and there's no shout shots at nobody, but like. Anthony Anderson wasn't the, the nicest person on set when I met him. He had no reason to not because there was nothing else going on. Tracy Ellis Ross had just won the uh, Emmy for Best Actress in a, in a Comedy. And she was like oh, the yeah. first black woman to win yeah, it. And this yeah. was like three days after that. She's super nice, excited to see him. He was on, you know, just kind of, yeah, what's up? They never look at a nigga, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But Gary was like... As soon as I complimented him on his work, just appreciating, you know what I mean? Like one artist to another. Then he starts talking to background extras. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? You know what I mean? Wow. Like just, and it's like, bro, you're the legend. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you gotta, you gotta respect, man. So shout out to him for that shit, man. Absolutely. Real talk, real talk. When it's, you know, and that's the thing you, I know you, you appreciated that just being in the acting realm, you know how background can be and they love so much when the leads interact with them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But what yeah. you, what's your take on that? So, all right. When I first moved here, I would get background gigs for featured stuff. Mm -hmm. Like for that, the blackish thing, they called yeah. me and were like, the 
hey, we want you to come play bass. Like, DeBarge is what they called me. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that was my family was the DeBarges and shit. And yeah. <laughs> it was real, like, I would either get called in for featured stuff where I get some real camera time or I wouldn't get put in at all uh, because it was you. like you're going to take camera time regardless of whether or not you're supposed to be and that goes exactly. back to like college when I you know what I mean a racist ass theater professor said some shit like oh you would draw too much attention alright alright but we gonna, we gonna go back to we gonna go to that we gonna go yeah. all back to that yeah. but I say all that to say that the background like I never saw myself as a background actor right Yeah. I always saw myself as like this is just the part of the phases I have to go through because I'm learning and I'm getting on set. Exactly. So like, and this isn't forever. So as you know, if you know that you're going to go past some shit, then as you're going through it, you're not daunted by it. Like you can observe it from like a bird's eye standpoint. Exactly. And I saw how people like, I saw PAs would, because they're in high stress situations and they're on low on the totem pole, they would sometimes take shit out on background and not be so nice yep, and shit like exactly. that. Exactly. Some of these people are like retired cops who aren't looking to get famous or nothing. They yeah. just want to get out of the just house. Want to get out the house. Yeah. And it's like, bro, you can't just be talking disrespectfully to people because their background, like in this circumstance, their yeah. background and you're a PA, like all of everything is circumstantial. And so I just looked at like, uh, the same way I looked at the, like Gary Sinise is just another human and another mm -hmm. artist I really tore down the walls between everybody whether or not it's background or lead or production or whoever how do you act as a human? yeah pretty much <laughs> how do you act as a human? and I think that's the difficult thing with a lot of people man they, they let that title shit go to their head where they think they could just talk to anybody any kind of way and do everything or just because of find out real quick that ain't the motherfucking case you try that with the wrong one <laughs> exactly exactly and i know that's the case with you <laughs> scorpio king scorpio exactly king brother i know you so so let's go back because you said something man that i want to touch on about um the racist professor from school yeah. let's talk about that real quick before we get into the origin of Tyler Anton Gordon Murray McGibbon I'm gonna say your motherfucking name cause I don't care bro yeah uh, yeah what's his name again Murray McGibbon <laughs> I don't know where you at right now bro fuck but you, fuck, fuck you and fuck you that, that part right there bro <laughs> Real because shit. he really had like some kind so he's from South Africa mm -hmm. I took a directing class with him cause you had to take a directing class as part of the theater uh, program and this Indiana is in university. college this is at university Indiana okay. University Bloomington okay and uh, Harold and the Boys. It's a play for anybody who's unfamiliar with it about a little boy who is basically raised by his two black servants. But mm -hmm. it, to him, they're not servants. They're his friends because they're the only people who he spends time with. His parents are off all the time at work, traveling, some shit like that. And he doesn't have a connection or a real relationship with his parents. And then at some point, like towards the end of the the climax, the climax of the play is him spitting mm -hmm. on one of his servants, one of his his friends, you know what I mean? Because he's so hurt by his father at this point. And then he sees how his father treats these men that in his pain, he he spits on his on his friend mm -hmm. and starts to, he, he makes him call him Master Harold now. Not no, It's no longer like Harold, like we're friends. It's like, now you're Master Harold. Yeah. And then the black man gets it like, oh, now now you're one of them mm -hmm. and i uh for the directing scene we had to direct a a scene from that play right from that play from that particular play 
I chose to do a scene other than the climax scene because I'm not finna ask my black actor to get spit on and there's other scenes that are worthy of doing in the play. Outside of that one. Outside of that one. So why is the first question that he asked me, why didn't why did you choose that scene? And I know what you're getting at when he asked me that. So I said <laughs> back because I, the scene that you're asking me why I didn't do, by asking mm -hmm. me why I did this scene, you're you're subtextually asking me why I didn't do the scene where the, the nigga gets spit where on. Where he gets spit on. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm telling you because my black actor wasn't going to have that happen and I wasn't even going to ask him or mm -hmm. put him in that position because I'm not going to have all you white people. First of all, Indiana University, I don't know if it's up at all from the 4% that it was when I went there, but it had 4% black people. Wow. When I went there. So... I was the only straight black man in the theater program, period. There was like one black girl who was in the BFA program, mm -hmm. a gay black guy who was in the MFA program, and then me. I'm not straight. I got you. For real. So, so that type of shit was like, bro, I'm not. You want me to have another black man stand up here in front of all you white people and watch another white man spit on him? What kind of artistic yeah. value are you getting out of that? Exactly. What, what, what? So, and he was from South Africa. He was from South Africa, apartheid South Africa. Oh, okay, okay, there it is. Right, figure just. <laughs> There it is. So did you end up, uh, like, what was your grade in that class? Did you end up passing? He passed me, and I think it was because he felt bad because, I mean, because honestly, I didn't have the strongest showing in the class. Like, I had somebody from my second scene who ended up having a family passing, so she had to drop, and then the two people who ended up doing the scene just... They didn't learn the lines. Like basically, he could have he could have given me a non-pass, like a failing grade because yeah. of the product. You know what I mean? The second one. Um, but he also directed the Three Musketeers that semester, mm -hmm. and he um, it was ironic enough. So a buddy of mine, me and him, me and a buddy of mine, Macaulay, mm -hmm. we worked out all summer together. And this kid had we were both pretty inexperienced in the theater at this point, and. Um, this kid, we went in and he got the role. And mm -hmm. I was very surprised because he was not impressive to me as an actor. Damn, I'm just, I told you I'm really honest, bro. Nah, so that's, you see oh this, yeah, you're supposed you see to this, be. I'm just, but if you it. see this, Macaulay, I love you, bro. <laughs> it just was like, you know what that was, bro. Everybody sort of looked at that performance and was like, what the fuck was he doing? Yeah. <laughs> but like, the, the feedback that I got from Murray mm -hmm. was that I didn't have enough experience and that I would have drawn too much attention if he would have put me up there in the lead. Uh, so I said, oh, so my friend, the white guy who has less experience than me or just as little. Yeah. He doesn't have too little experience and he's not going to draw too much attention because if you put a whole bunch of white people on stage, exactly. that's just another white guy. Right. Yep. If you put my black ass on stage. Like I told you, the only one. And I don't even look black. Right. Like I'm mixed. I am some sort of like, oh, it's three musketeers. Is he a Spaniard? Like you who? can be you can be both. I can be anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Depending on what you put me in, like the look exactly. and all the other type of shit. So I just I looked at my experience with him as a learning lesson. Like yeah. this is part of the game in some ways. This is everybody has their own prerogative. Mm -hmm. You choose to interact with and respond to who you choose to interact with and how you respond to. Yeah, real talk. Real talk. So I let that be what it was, and I'm here doing bigger and better things now. That part. And once we uh once we come back after this break, we'll be back in a tick. This is pa uh, patio politics. We're gonna talk more about that with my motherfucking brother, man, TG. Let's get it. Let's get it.
Yes, yes, yes. Patio politics. Your man J Five T H. Tyler Anton Gordon. Man, we getting into some Antoine. great. Antoine. Oh, oh, Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. T-A-G, my brother, man. My apologies. Silaki, your brother. Um, we back, though. We back live, man. So let's get into the origin, man. Where you from? Cause Let's talk about first. How long have you been in Los Angeles? It'll be six years in June this year. Six years. That's what I'm talking about. Shout out to that shit right there, y'all. Shout out to that shit right there. That's what I'm talking about. Are you here to stay? Let's mm. yeah. God got me, man. Uh, what's so bad? Yes or no, man? <laughs> I say yes because it feels like home. So I mean, it's it, it's felt like home since I've been here, and it's only continued to feel more and more like home. Come on now, man. Uh, I think that the the Most High is gonna have me traveling a lot and throughout my life. Mm -hmm. I think that this will always be the home base that I come back to. Though. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, man. My brother, he a loke too, man. He a loke. <laughs> he don't know. He don't know it. Yeah, he a loke though. Real talk. Hey, so let's man. talk about where you from, man. Where you from and what it was like growing up there? Um, I was born in North Carolina, raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I guess to speak on what it's like growing up there. You know, when you're growing up in a place, especially if you don't move around a lot, mm -hmm. you don't have any other reference point, ah. right? So it's only regular to you um, until you get out of there. And yeah. then you see in comparison what it was like. So... Um, having been outside of there now, I say that Indiana is a real slow moving place. Gotcha. There's not a lot of industry that goes on there. Um, Indianapolis itself, where I'm from, is a city, but it's surrounded by country. And because of that, people operate on a different code. Mm -hmm. um, in some ways, if you have backwards ass mentalities, you can find places there that will cater to you, like mm. Martinsville or Atlanta, Indiana, where people still talk about nigger fry my chicken, shit like that. The bullshit. Um, the bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, because, again, it's so slow moving that those places that fostered those types of mentalities since slave days, they never got pulled out of it. Mm. Nobody ever came into town and was like, hey, bro, y'all got to get with the times. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So, um, we didn't, I, when I started to get exposed to other places, like in high school playing football, you go to combines and stuff like that, and like niggas from Chicago would be like, what are y'all even doing in Indiana? You know what I mean? Like, ain't just, like, Clearly, they got cornfields in Illinois, too, but Chicago is a city. That's a real city. They yeah. got a nightlife. They got a beat. They got all sorts of shit that they can do. Us, you know, go to the mall, go to the movies. We don't have no beaches. We don't have no mountains. We don't have no where for you to really go sightsee. Mm -hmm. Our downtown wasn't really shit. Like, it's just kind of like you from the east side, you from the north side. The south side was cornfields, literally, like, it's, it's east side or west side. Like, the north side was, like, the the rich white folks and shit like that. Like, if you go far enough north, that's, like, Carmel, Indiana. They don't even consider themselves a part of our city because they just got money and they're different. But So, so I can't be seen going through that motherfucker. You can. They are very, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. They, they, they don't do colorism up there because you will see black, like you see black. But it's about the money. It's about the money. Don't bring that ghetto <laughs> shit here. Gotcha. That's what you can't do. So they had their own police and every, ooh. 
it's like Burbank. It's like the Burbank oh, okay. of you know what I mean. If you say if you're if you're from Burbank, you're gonna say you're from Burbank. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna say you're from LA. You're not. You know. So that's how it is up, uh, there. But I mean, when my mom came here, she was like, "Oh, it's kind of like Indiana because we have our own." I was like, "Mama, it's just way bigger, but and have way more nooks, but like." We got neighborhoods too Like I said It's yeah. west side and east side So you might go to Broad Ripple You might go to Yada 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 But I think everybody What you learn Is that everywhere Because people have The same needs everywhere Right mm-hmm. Everybody has to Have clothing So you're gonna have Laundromats everywhere mm-hmm. Everybody has to eat So you're gonna have Food places everywhere Exactly like, And things just up End up getting Sectioned off And I don't know, man. I, I always knew I had to get the fuck up out of there, though. I say that. <laughs> my mama knew from a young age that I, I wasn't going to stay. I always thought it was Miami because I, I loved the hurricanes coming up. The yeah. University of Miami hurricanes. Shout out to the U. I didn't end up going there. I ain't never gave y'all a dollar. And y'all ain't never gave me nothing but inspiration. But <laughs> I'll take it. Mm. Well, I'm glad you're here, brother, because a lot of people near that way, they always pick the more East Coast, Southeast spots like Miami. In or Florida or something like that. So I'm like, man, I'm glad you're here though. I'm glad you're here, man. Business sense. I'm glad to be here, brother. But yeah, it was it was definitely like if the way I say it, when people be like, Oh, you're in the right city for acting or whatever. Like if you were opening a surf shop, would you go to Kansas? <laughs> or would you go where they got water? Where they go yeah, exactly. Like you where they go surfing, I'm gonna go where they got water. So Miami, they they do some modeling and they do stuff. But if you're gonna act, everybody knows you come to LA. It's bottom line Like if you're going to And now that Things are more remote Mm -hmm. You can And The the social media Has made people Considered to be actors Who Don't pick up scripts Or do anything like that And it's (laughs) like Exactly Your social media personality But You can do that from any Social influencer Yeah they, What they call it now Yeah so. Social influencer <laughs> Which it was a lot of When when the YouTube era Was first buzzing um, Of course it wasn't How it is now But when it was The same shit They was doing on IG Twitch TikTok They was doing that On YouTube Years ago When it first started Coming up Now as an actor What does that like Do to you Cause you really Dive into scripts And all that When they just You really take this shit For real for real What does that do to you When they Look at a social media presence and be like, we're going to cast them over this talented dude because they have 1.5 million followers. I'm going to be one thou out. Please, man. Because ain't no truth in politics. I mean, ain't no politics of truth, man. At all. I really, it doesn't bother me. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's supposed to the way, like, a lot of people respond because it's like, but again, you choose who you respond to and how you respond. Exactly. To so, like, nobody stops me from picking up Shakespeare. Yeah. Nobody stops me from, like, from picking up any script mm-hmm. that, like, acting is a form of therapy for me. Real shit. And, and I can, that's why when people be like, oh, you moved here to be an actor. I think I was an actor doing Shakespeare in the hood on box crates for free telling crackheads they had to leave rehearsal back in Indiana. <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I, I've been an actor since before I was getting paid for it So I didn't move here to be something that I was already doing I moved here to get paid for it In a yeah. way that I have That I couldn't have done back in Indiana mm-hmm. So again, it's it's being objective and understanding like your circumstances And if that's just a part of the world Are those... Are those people more authentic than me? Or are they... Do, do I like... Feel a sense of envy for how real and raw they are? Mm-hmm. No. Like, do I feel a sense of envy for their financial success? No. 
do do I think they can do what I do? I know they can't. So my homeboy got a saying um, from his grandma: "What God has for you is for you." Period. And literally a period. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, point blank, period. That's it. No more questions. Like no, oh my anxiety's creeping up. Like I have such a discipline. I have such control and. I don't even like using that fucking word. I have such power over myself, such mm-hmm. influence over my own thoughts and my own feelings that anything that arises that I don't want to in myself, I can check that shit. Exactly. Like with physical exercise, a lot in a lot of ways, I'm mentally just powerful to like beat that shit up. Mm-hmm. Really, like the shit doesn't come up. So when other people even complain about like, ah, oh, like, bruh, are you ready for your opportunity if it smacks you in the face right now? Real talk. If if like in the midst of you complaining, somebody came up and were like, well, I got a script and a $2 million yeah. for you, you yeah, ready for you it right ready? now? Yeah, exactly. Like, are you gonna like be able to get composed real quick? Uh-huh. Like, bro, I just stay ready so I don't have to get ready. Man, if come I'm on, constantly man. present. Yep, that like part. Like I said, present and powerful. That's how I walked in here, that's how I'm gonna walk out and that's how I'm gonna stay. Now, now, too, even with that, man, because um, it sounds like even you saying that it's a lot of Robert Greene. You know, we both like digging to him super. You get what I'm saying? It's that. And like you said, man, we control like the emotions we want to bring out. And I know even for a Scorpio, we get the stigmas of being jealous all the time. You get what I'm saying? But but hearing you say that. It's like, what is your take on that? How people look at it, it's like, oh, y'all jealous, possessive, and all this other type of stuff. A uh, 16-year-old, 17-year-old me was. It, that part right there. Uh, but <laughs> I grew up, and a lot of people don't. I say that as, a, as an individual, I've always been a passionate individual. However you feel about astrology. Mm-hmm. Like, I am a Scorpio. I feel like I relate to my sun sign in a lot of ways that mm-hmm. I don't have to try to make the case. Um, but being a passionate individual comes with all the extremes and intensities of that mm-hmm. like positive and negative or dark or light yin and yang exactly. the things that like I, I love hard I've always been one of the most loyal people that I've known mm-hmm. and then that shows in my friends because the people who I've st- the people who I have in my life know me for me and they stick with me because they fuck with who I am and I and it's, it's, it's reciprocated so a lot of people have relationships based on superficial shit and they meander through life with that because it gets them by mm-hmm. and they don't going deeper is something they either don't know how to do they're not interested in doing whatever is the case uh, that's just never where I've lived from so I know what it's like to again be possessive but that's like a th- I, I had a moment um in college where somebody that i didn't want ended up being with somebody else for a moment and i was like i felt a sense of jealousy but like i had been in meditation for long enough to have some distance to that right so yeah again we're we're like three layers as humans with a fourth layer of awareness there's the physical there's the mental and there's the emotional message mm. so, message <laughs> there goes your the physical as obviously what you can look at and see the experiences of having when i say somebody that i didn't really want ended up with somebody else like for a moment that is like okay physically that's what you can see now emotionally i'm responding it into a way like 
a sense of jealousy. Yeah. But yeah. mentally, yeah. again, the 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 layer of awareness, I've got some detachment from all these like influences, these mm-hmm. these these forms of information. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they are. They're just forms of information. And in that detachment, I'm able to mentally break down, oh, I only feel this jealousy because somebody has something that I didn't want, but I felt a sense of possession over. Like yeah. a three-year-old. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Real talk. Like a three-year-old like puts down the toy. They're not interested in it. They go play with something else. They turn around and see somebody else playing with their toy, and it... They yeah. want that toy they back. Want, they want the toy back. And even when they get the toy back, a lot of times they don't play they with don't it. They don't play with it. They're not, they're not, <laughs> it's just about having some shit that somebody else has that, that somebody, you want. Yeah, don't touch my toy. Don't touch my toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like if you grow up, then you learn to let, and then, then you can truly develop real intimacy because you're not relating to people out of some unconscious sense of possession. Yeah. yeah that possessive stuff goes out the window and the, the true connection and intimacy can actually come into play mm-hmm. because you've created the space for that so uh for anybody who thinks that scorpios are just jealous and possessive it's not the case for everybody bro some people grow up and check your motherfucking self because all you other sun signs y'all may not be as intense as us but y'all got your own little faults and qualities and shit like that we just bring them really to the forefront come on man message yeah y'all heard it y'all heard it. i ain't even got to say nothing y'all know what it is man and they know who the realest sign is. We ain't even gonna get into that, man. They know yeah. it's the most dominant sign ever, ever the most powerfulest. And if y'all don't, man, as people say, just Google the shit and do your own research, man. Scorpios are the most powerful signs in the zodiac, man. Don't hate it. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at your parents. Message. So, um, hey, bro. I, and if you look back at it, bro, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a Valentine's Day baby. I wasn't planned. Nah, real talk. Back about nine months. Yeah, that's where that was going down. So that's 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 a passion. That's where all that passion comes. And that from. love. You're just a product of passion and love. Exactly. Exactly. So going and hate. Going and hate. Like I said, get mad at your parents. They should have been screwing in February, uh, late late January. All right. Um. So, brother, let's um. You know what, man? We got more to talk about, but we, let's take a break real quick. Then we're going to get into some real shit because I want to talk about the Creep LA. I want to talk about the being biracial, man. All that great shit, man. It's the Patio Politics, J5TH, my man TG. We'll be right back. Patio Politics, we back. We live, man. Your man J5TH. My brother Tyler, man, we here. What's good, baby? What's happening with it, Tyler? Man, just getting all this knowledge and wisdom from you, brother. Now, football, football, man. I'll do my very best to not talk long on this matter because, you know, we're both athletes. I'm not going to say ex-athletes because we still stay proactive in the things that we do. What is that transition like, man, going from football to... Matter of fact, what position you play? Let's go into that first, man. Oh, shit. What position oh, didn't I play? I've been pl- I played football since I was a little boy, so... So, so what age you started? Oh, that you can remember. I mean, in the neighborhood, since I... I've all... Shit. <laughs> I've, since I could get anybody to play with me, Yeah, you know, first grade or younger, mm-hmm. like seven, six... That type of shit, but I mean, and then pops put as soon as we could start hitting, he put us in, put us in the league. So yeah, uh, that was back when you know small guys were playing defensive end. So I played yeah. everything: safety, <laughs> defensive end, running back. Um, 
in middle school, I was a running back in safety. And then when I got to high school, I was focused on safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when we started doing DB drills, they saw I could catch. And they what? were like, you want to go play wide receiver? And we didn't, you know, <laughs> middle school, you're not throwing the ball and no shit like that. Yeah, was, you ain't like, throwing no 50-yard, 50, 60-yard passes. Shit, shit we didn't 30. even do that in high school. <laughs> like, yeah, I know y'all, y'all think that West Coast offense, but back in Indiana, that was ground and pound. It was some corn. So straight and, running. It's, yeah, it's straight oh, running. So. so do you remember your first touchdown? In Little League and Pop Warner? Yeah. Kind of, like... I don't remember much about it, but I just remember being in the end zone and like, it's a transcendental feeling. Now that it I'm is. sitting here looking back as an adult, looking back at like Maslow's hierarchy of needs when he talks about self-actualization and he talks about somebody who talked about the freedom of running down a field. Yeah, when you step into the end zone, it's just like you in the sky. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. Closest thing to heaven, man. It is, bro. It really is. <laughs> at that time it was. And, it's, and see, I'm a defensive player, so, you know, I always dreamed of playing offense. But when you score a defensive touchdown, it's, it's kind of the same feeling, man. It's like losing your virginity. It's so, double time because yeah. you wasn't even supposed to be the nigga scoring. Yeah, exactly. You took the ball and then extra with it. Not only did I take the ball, and yeah. I scored with that motherfucker. Like, yeah. So what's your favorite position overall? Mm. I mean, I learned to love wide receiver because that's the one I ended up giving myself to so intensely. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I'm a wide receiver. I'm a wide receiver. That's it. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm a wide receiver. I always loved the running back. I loved hitting motherfuckers with my safety shit like that. But, mm-hmm. like, you crack block at wide receiver. Like, anything. Like, I can run on, reverses. Man. And once I get the ball, it's me in the field. Now you're running field. back. I'm a running back. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it, uh, and then... Yeah, I just love it. I breaking people off with the routes and shit like that. You still can't guard me, bro. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you still can't guard me. So who who you think is the greatest receiver of all time? Jerry oh, Rice. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. I mean, it's just me being an old head and hey, no, nah, I agree with like, you. I agree with you. His 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 father was a brick mason and had him catching bricks. That's the part, like, right? Come there, on, man. When he was man. little, <laughs> and it was before that was like an era before. Like this is no shots to shots at anybody who comes up in this era but like the technology has advanced so much that like skill advances with the technology and exactly. the ability to train and understand things at a higher level people are faster they run higher uh, mm-hmm. run faster they jump higher they lift heavier all these things that like make the game what it is now mm-hmm. but back then they just didn't have like you said it was just you catching bricks and running come on man so That's for somebody level. like Jerry Rice to be a four seven, four six, forty type of guy. He ain't no crazy type of build, but you couldn't he cover ain't the tallest. him. He ain't the tallest. Yeah. But the tallest wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, but you could not stop him. Hmm. That uh, just yeah. That's how I feel about Julian Edelman, man. He, Ooh. yeah, come on, man. He, he a hog. Wes Welker Jr. <laughs> yeah, come on, Wes Welker Jr. Yeah, like, he a hog, man. And that's why I be telling people about Belichick. They they can say what he want, man. He know how to turn people into superstars, man. He. And they and he's like he's he's every athlete athlete's coach. Like he'll take you in the sixth round, man, and 
you the you the next Pro Bowl, whatever, slot, whatever for the next ten years. So you know me being from Indianapolis, I'm gonna have to go with Tony Dungy. I, 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 I know, say, I know. It's it's, I know. Be, it's Belichick, it's Belichick for sure. You gotta give credit to the greatness because even if he's not my favorite or the their hometown rival. Nah, Tony Dungy is next level. But you got, yeah, you gotta put him up there. But both of them speak to the same thing that you're talking about because it's the system. It's the system. It's the system. It's not the person we can put Austin Collie in here and have him running <laughs> yeah. top-notch wide receiver sets for a year. You don't yeah. know who he is before or after this when he leaves, but while he's with us, mm -hmm. we're going to make something out of what Ex you can do. Exactly, exactly. Now, do you take that same mentality uh, with football into the acting realm? Naturally. Yeah. Naturally. And I, I kind of know one of the things that we're going to talk about, so <laughs> I'm going to just kind of segue into it because it's the perfect opportunity. Creep yeah. LA, my first year here. Mm -hmm. um, shout out to JFI Productions. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't even JFI Productions then yet. It was just Creep LA before mm -hmm. we started expanding and doing all these activations and the willows and all the other things that we produce over there at JFI So, Productions. So one second, when you came out here, was it just starting? or was it, it was the second year. It was the second year. So uh, Creep LA was the flagship show, and they did their first year in 2015, and I moved here in 2016. Wow. Um, and it, it expanded from there into JFI Productions being the umbrella, Creep LA being one of the flag, like the flagship show, mm -hmm. but we have, we do activations all the time for different, like Universal Studios or Amazon Prime yeah. or whoever yes. decides to contract us. We appreciate all of y'all very much. Um, and the three clubs who we signed a two-year residency with, shout out to Mark, love you over there, man. Um, but yeah, it was just starting up when I got here and mm -hmm. my very first year, like everything about what they were doing over there was like how we were over here with the R's, just mm -hmm. very gorilla. Yeah. And how I've always gotten down, like I said, I Shakespeare in the hood on box crates for free telling crackheads they had to leave rehearsal back in Indiana. So mm -hmm. I come from that world of like, I, and that's, again, it's part of me being grimy with football and yeah. shit like that. It's come from being born off a of military, just gritty, not grimy, but gritty. Mm -hmm. I love real, like, I'm I'm very in touch with my body. I'm a very physical person. I have, that's why I think I have so much energy is just cause like, I am very in touch with my instrument and my being. Yeah. And, those like real blood sweat tears like this thing that you use everything that, like, is real everything is real it's not yeah. digital like you, if this gets hit it yeah. really hurts you yeah. really break bones and you really bleed and you really sweat yeah and you yeah. really pump endorphins in this shit so i get excited about this nah as you should but but that's where i end up putting all of those things like that's why i ended up getting into acting because as i was in college and i was looking for I had this moment of enlightenment mm -hmm. that I felt like I had dying on heaven. Now I've come to see enlightenment as like a continually unfolding experience, but I recognized that moment as like the anchor dropping moment. Yes. And then it just kept getting deeper and deeper because I cultivated it. it the only anchor only dropped because I did the soul searching and the work mm -hmm. to make it. And then once I got it, I didn't stop. And in that process of not stopping, like I said, in that enlightenment moment, I felt like I had died and gone to heaven. So yeah. since I didn't die, then it was about figuring out how to maneuver through this human experience. Yeah, yeah. And I had been introduced to a concept called Dharma by Deepak Chopra mm -hmm. in the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And yes, yes, I read that book. Dope. It's fantastic, yeah. oh isn't it? Oh my gosh, yes. 
So um, you're familiar with it, obviously. Yes, yes, uh, I am. Yes, the, I the, am. Particularly the law of Dharma. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's not, the way that Deepak broke it down that made sense to me was basically like, it's like your destiny. Like, And to not use that word, you have something that you're good at that you like doing. Mm-hmm. And it could be multiple things, but those two qualifying things, you're good at it naturally and you like doing it. Those are like the two critical criteria because if you're naturally good at it, you're capable of being great at it. Exactly. If you just aren't naturally good at it, the best you might get is mediocre, but like, and it might be a hobby, but like something that you're naturally good at, you can become great at. And then if you enjoy it, then you're even more apt to come to great at it because the things that are challenges are enjoyable to you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you don't like math and somebody gives you a hard math problem, it doesn't turn you on. Like, yeah. it turns you off. It says the exact opposite because that's not my thing anyway. It's not my thing, yeah. But if somebody gives you something like, oh, I'm playing basketball and all I got is my little brother to beat up on, oh, now I got to <laughs> challenge somebody who came yeah. around the way. Now it's exciting. Yeah. And yeah. so um, yeah. I, I looked at the things that I was good at that i liked doing and in a way that wasn't about money because at the time like you brought up robert green i love robert green i can honestly say that my journey in a lot of ways parallels his without me having to without me having had tried to copy him nah real talk i agree because the thing that like mastery came out in 2012 mm-hmm. fall of 2012 and that was one of my favorite books by him and he was talking about your primal inclinations he was talking yes. about doing all the things that like tapping into all the things that i'm talking about that deepak calls your dharma mm-hmm. he called your life's task and th- regardless of what you call it it's all like the same thing what's driving you what are you here for yeah, yeah. and so that's what i tapped in for again i'm still alive i felt like i died and gone to heaven but i'm still here so what am i here for what was I good at? And I started looking at all those things and exploring. I was at the perfect place to do it because I was in college. Yeah. So yeah. I went from philosophy and religious studies because I had had those types of questions. I got answers for them. And then I kept building on the answers. Okay, so now, again, what was I good at? People had always, I've realized, like, opened up to me when I didn't really ask them to. Mm. You know what I mean? They would tell me their secrets. I, I've, they say women mature faster than men, but I would always talk to older women yeah. and they thought that I was mature. So it was like, and they would t- open up and things like that. So I was like, mm-hmm. maybe psychology is something up my alley. So yeah. I went and tried that. And I just, again, too, too energetic. I, I could, I was understanding things, but it was moving too slowly for me. And yeah. then I thought back to when I did a Midsummer Night's Dream, the abridged version for middle schoolers, um, and I fell in love with it. I, I realized that I had always loved language, that words had always been, I had won, run, I had won writing awards for things that I hadn't tried on. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, like I started writing papers for money in college. I had always like words, it, people had always talked about me being articulate or eloquent yeah. or having a way with words. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, words are my thing. I can do this. And I'm a physical person. I can take all that football energy yeah. and, and actually bring it to a role yeah yeah and like <laughs> and it, it works with my imagination because i was like i'm i'm the oldest it's just me and my little brother and so for like three and a half years it was just me mm-hmm. and you know and i remember him being born so i remember the time alone when he was coming up and i remember being like at a certain point he wanted to involve himself in playing with me and it was like now I got to share my imaginary world with somebody else. I don't really want to do that. My, my yeah. mom's making me. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
And uh, <laughs> shout out to all the older brothers out there, man. Boy, you know what it's like. God damn. Can't <laughs> hey, have a moment to yourself. But it was all good. I love you, baby, bro. Um, yeah. And it and it helped me just uh, to recognize, like, okay, you always had a powerful imagination and been connected to it. You've always had a way with words and liked language. You always had a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect outlet. So, again, fast forward to Creep L.A., I brought all that. I brought all that football tenacity straight to this guerrilla environment where Justin was Justin just just Justin Fix from Just Fix It Productions um, was up there building the set himself. Like mm-hmm. I remember one night we um, back when I still drank, he uh, we just got too drunk and didn't end up leaving the set. And he was telling me one night he was like Tyler, like this is my grandmother's quill. And it was just a part of the set. And I was like, bro, you know, this get torn. Anything could happen. But it's like you really put your heart and your soul into this. Yeah. And there was a night. It's funny because that's actually where, in my mind, Just Fix It came from. Mm. Because Justin Fix is his name. But we <laughs> had a night where um, there was a young lady who, like, my particular scene, uh, one of the scenes that I did the very first year was like a duet kind of dance. I was in a cage mm-hmm. under some sheet. And then there was a young lady outside the cage and she was back doing the things and she would bring the audience to the cage and then we would like meet at the cage and she would climb up it and somebody said something while she had climbed up it and I'm standing in front of it that was like, it was a sexually charged environment. She said something just kind of like that could be seen as disrespectful, but it was just part of the environment. It was just Mm -hmm. part of the world. And the young lady though, who I was doing the scene with, she got all distraught about it and emotional and dropped for that. Not for the entire production, but like we had four or five more shows to do that night. And she was like, I can't do it. Because and of that. What, because yeah. of what that young lady said. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, this isn't a one person show. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but we can't just like let we can't just skip. I'm not going to drop out now. You know what I mean? Because you dropped out. Now mm-hmm. we don't just skip this whole section of the play because like mm-hmm. every piece fit together. So you needed every single link. We can't just skip this link because you are distraught about what some girl said. So I did the shit by myself. Yeah, how, did it, how did it go? I made it work. I just I just fixed it. Exactly. And that was where <laughs> the, the whole thing came from because we had a conversation afterwards and I was like, bro, some of these like theater people with their... I know we all have emotions and in theater and acting, like I said, acting is therapy in a lot of ways because you're connecting with your emotions, you're transmuting yes. them, you're yes. really dealing with things. But a lot of times people who are in this craft lose the sense of objective in it. Yeah. You're not just emoting yeah. or just yeah. dealing with your emotions for the sake of dealing with your emotions. You want something. Exactly. And that's the case in life all the time. Like at that particular moment your character wants something but outside of that we have a show to do like the that your part. job that you're getting paid for right now is to finish this show so this show must go on right like that's the way the saying goes and mm-hmm. so like that that football mentality of like yeah we might be doing 20 25 shows a night yeah this might get draining yeah it might get repetitive 
suck it the fuck up. It's what you signed for, signed up for. Yeah, that's football. Yeah, that's football. <laughs> that's, like that's football. It's <laughs> not. You're not outside in 110 degree heat. Like back in India, like y'all got mild weather out here, bro. Like mm-hmm. it gets intense back there. Them August two a days where you're out two and a half hours a day, Come two on, times man. a day. The second time the day you're putting on soaked ass girdles and shit like mm-hmm. that, and it's going, crazy, bro. Like humid ass 110 degree heat. Like I asked my coach my senior year, why do we do two? days like you know i'm not a bitch i'm a captain of the team like i've done it i've done the process but i just want to know mm-hmm. why do we do this shit and he's like it's the quickest way to shock your system if i yeah. damn near kill you for two weeks yeah what's the rest of the season what's four quarters what's four quarters what's, what's four? a two-hour practice you've been practicing five hours a day it only gets cooler <laughs> the practices only get shorter exactly like yep so if i if i damn near kill you then everything else is easy and most mm-hmm. people haven't damn near getting gotten killed exactly they haven't damn near died and then when you push yourself to that level and then everything is just heightened it's oh shit i got to yeah. Push the envelope. I got to push the envelope. If I'm not pushing the envelope, then that feels like death. Ah, man. That's. Damn, on. I'm dropping game on y'all. Hey. need to pay me for this right here. <laughs> hey, but that, that's that's the thing. And that's why I love a lot of times when athletes, man, um, convert over to the acting because they get it. That's how my intensity is with the acting. So you, you already know it gets intense. And when it gets intense, it's like. Let's go. Let's get it. We athletes. That that whole mentality is crazy. And then you blend that in with the Robert Greene shit. What's your favorite Robert Greene book? I know you said it. Say it again, though. Mastery. You did you uh have you read um Art of Seduction? Every single book. I've, I'm reading the Daily Laws right now. His latest book, and it's a book that you're supposed to read one day at a time because he's got a a page for every day. Wow. A, like a chapter for every day. But um, see, I gotta get that Art of yeah. Seduction. I fuck with that. I gotta love the Art of Seduction. What's your so what what is your favorite nugget out of the Art of Seduction? Because there's um, a lot, but like your favorite nuggets. Oh man, my favorite nugget. Um. I would have to say the chapter. I don't think it's the charming, cha- the charmer uh, chapter, but it was the whole thing uh, about Cleopatra. Oh, she, Siren. Yes, yes, that. Just the whole. She was. Oh man, she was something else, man. She spoke we, multiple <laughs> languages. Got her family back in power. Like, was, yeah. and how she she was using the art of seduction before it was even a concept or an idea. You get what I'm saying? Bro, how smart do you have to be? <laughs> to like, be. Wily. <laughs> they they use that word like women's wily ways. Like yeah. that is wily as it gets. I mean, you have to be power hungry for sure. Like because other people didn't speak. She was one of the few Egyptians who spoke. Um, I don't want to get this wrong, but she was one of the few Egyptians who spoke uh, Latin, I think. Yeah, yeah. And... Just her ability to keep coming back for yeah. what she wanted. And like, again, like. And snatching kingdoms. Like. Master strategists. <laughs> like, it makes sense that Robert Greene looked at her as who he is because he's such a tactician for him to be able to see. So, uh, like, I, I. My favorite thing about the, um, the Art of Seduction is him talking about people getting outside themselves. Yes, he talked like he mentions that at the very beginning is that most people are locked into their own worlds with their own concerns Mm -hmm. and that and like it makes you less attractive. It does Mm -hmm. because you can't really give full attention to people. But when you get outside of yourself and you are immersed in your environment, Mm -hmm. 
that connection with reality. So he, Robert Greene just builds on everything he did. And he built on that conversation about a connection with reality. And that's what ended up becoming mastery. Yeah. Because mastery is about a continual relationship with reality. Yeah. That like feedback loops are never ending. And so as you go through life, like, you started getting feedback loops the first time you touched the fucking stove and mm-hmm. it was hot and you stopped doing that. If you stopped experimenting with the world and you stopped getting feedback loops and you stopped growing. Yeah, yeah. But mastery and the art of seduction and all these other things in essence encourage you to just keep a connection with reality yeah. that, that it, you're constantly engaged in it. And keep a connection with self too. Keep a connection with self. Now, I wanted to ask you, too, in, in dealing with the Creep LA, did you use any um, strategies from uh, the art of seduction? <laughs> you <got> <laughs> he asking for game on this one now. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't say specifically with Creep LA, but, like, in life. In, in life. In yes. life in general. I mean, like... And it definitely plays into Creep LA because everything that you do, like, you start to see as one big seduction. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, yeah, it definitely comes into play because it comes back to that, that knowledge, like, that nugget, that nugget of knowledge about getting outside of yourself. Yeah. And if you constantly engage, I'm, I'm someone who, like I said, I'm a natural introvert. I've got a strong imagination. I very much live in my own internal world. Mm-hmm. And then when I did engage with the outside world, I, I had some hard, everybody has some harshness to their experience, but mm-hmm. like a lot of the things that people experience as harsh, I was able to not. Yeah. Like I got girls, I got good grades pretty easily. Like, mm-hmm. I, people I, people kind of liked me you know what i mean like i was i wasn't like a super socialite because again i was a natural yeah. introvert but like i was decently popular because of the fact that like the way that i looked and because i played sports and all these other things mm-hmm. so i say all that to say engaging in reality in a way that required me to face difficulties or challenges that's where sports come in that's where ah, things like that like yeah you know you have to overcome hardships and getting outside of yourself for me was it's like the introvert tendencies yeah like it wasn't that i didn't care about other people like i said i could give such full attention because i really did shut the fuck up when people gave me insight or whatever yeah yeah when they wanted to communicate with me and that's why people end up opening up in ways i'd be like why are you telling me so much Mm because i'm not asking you but i guess i am asking you by me giving you attention attention and i'm not do and i'm not (laughs) You know, you feel the attention. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that it just made me, like, working in hospitality and and taking that nugget and being like, okay, it could help me get girls, but mm-hmm. it could also help me just be a more attractive person in life. In life, To yeah. get outside of myself and yes. be a better observer of human behavior and connect with the things outside of myself. And then in acting. Yeah. Like, they call, like, in acting, you call them forehead lookers when motherfuckers don't look you in your eyes and they're not connected to, because not every time in my gonna be staring in the person's eyes when I'm talking to him mm-hmm. but if I'm delivering lines and I'm looking at your forehead because I'm rattling it off I'm not truly present <laughs> am I nah. I'm not really connected that's not good acting exactly. like nobody feels that I don't feel <laughs> that so it just helped me I, I look at there's a quote um, growth as a human being and growth as an actor are synonymous hmm. Message. and I can't remember who I'm not gonna misquote it but um, 
or misassign the quote, but I just looked at that as a constant thing. Like as I get acting is like I said, it's a form of therapy. Yes, it's it a, is. It's a possible, like not a possible. It's it's a a part of my mm-hmm. career, but it's not the only thing that I do. Yeah. And so I look at it in relationship to my life, not my rela- life in relationship to it. Yes, sir. And so as I get better as a like. I'm a super healthy person, right? Like, super healthy. But I am i don't drink. I haven't drank for over a year. Like, the only thing I do is smoke weed. But I'm a constantly active first person, right? Yeah. So, like, that means I look a certain way. Regularly, that's just how my physique looks. If I want to change roles and then look like somebody who's out of shape or do something like that, mm-hmm. then my life gets reoriented for the acting and stuff exactly. like that. And that's exactly. where I think some people who don't have a healthy relationship with it. I'm not finna, like, put so much in acting that like I just become unhealthy in my personal life mm-hmm. because it, to me it's not that deep yeah like I love it and I'm here but I'm here to just I've been in constant communication with God and since I became aware on some like experiential relationship yeah. uh, with since that enlightenment moment that's all I'm here to do is serve and it's and it's in a very what did Jesus say my yoke is easy and my yes, burden is light come on man message come on man I'm just here serving player whatever God got to send through me I'm just here and if I open I had uh, I had this idea for a play called shut the fuck up mm-hmm. and a person just come out one man show sit in front of the crowd and don't say nothing mm-hmm. see how long it takes for motherfuckers to leave yeah or can you be just meditative there? Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> that space and that silence is the groundwork for everything else. Yes, it is. Like if oh, man. you start to frame every human drama or comedy or situation from what? From stillness and silence. Yes, sir. And from nothingness. And then we start giving it given circumstances. And then the objectives start guiding it. Start giving some people some direction for their what? Their action. The internal and their external action. And then things start coming in the way. And now we might have some drama, some juice, because we got obstacles. Yeah. And that's just life. But as as a graduate of drama, mm-hmm. I've taken those situations that I've learned. Like I said, acting is therapy, but it's lessons. Yeah, real talk. I played Othello for five, six months. I know what it's like to feel jealous. Yeah. I'm okay <laughs> off of that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and Della was deep, man. Very deep. Yeah. And, and there's a, and there's such a lesson behind that because in every way she looked like she was cheating. Yeah. But she yeah. wasn't. Yeah. And it was all because you let some other man get into your ear about your woman and, and, and about your kingdom. Yeah. And you let some infest it. So I'm okay. Like, again, I, I trust my instincts. I don't have to hold on to anything. The less I carry, again, that's how my my yoke stays easy and my burden stays light. You can accumulate wealth and experience and build character without having to hold on to things. That wisdom's not going to leave you. It's Your not. soul's not going to forget. Mm-hmm. So as you continue to grow and flow, it, it I don't know, man. You just let go. Man. As you continue to grow and flow, you just let go. Hey, man. I'm free falling, baby. Hey, nah, as you should. As you should, man. This is Real Talk, man, with my brother. And he got his deep talks, too. We're going to get into that after we take a quick break. Real quick, we'll be back on the patio politics, man. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, 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 yes. Patio politics, your man, J5TH. In the building with my brother from another man who I love so dearly, man. My brother. We ended the last segment with talking about letting go, man. And this is a very um 
very serious topic and issue that I'm going to talk about because we briefly talked about this last time in just conversation. But I know with a lot of um, our guests that we have, um, since I'm a, a suicide survivor myself, I love talking to other guests who either been in that situation or is a suicide survivor themselves. So let's talk about that whole experience with you. How did how did it happen? You talk about the story and go into what led to that. Well, like I said um, earlier, our 16, 17-year-old me was very possessive. And mm. um, when my first, I had my, f like, like your first love, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and before her, I had probably, the longest relationship I had been was like two weeks. I just jump around, short attention span, you know how kids are. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I went from being like, that to being with this girl for a year and some months uh lost my virginity tour mm -hmm. and again all that intense passionate emotion with an underdeveloped mind mm -hmm. i and, and an underdeveloped sense of self left me distraught when we broke up i just had no sense of how to manage all the things that I was feeling and thinking. Yeah. And it turned into like physical sickness and it turned into me acting out in ways that I never had, you know, lying to my parents, sneaking out, smoked for the first time, drank for the first time. Like I was just, and I didn't get hooked or no shit like that. I just was on some rebellious shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, it was definitely like the, darkest period of my life wow and it was from january like i remember specifically it was like january 26 2006 it's damn near 15 years ago now um <laughs> till like the end of the year literally it was like um from that top of the to the, the top of the year 2006 till november and so even throughout your birthday so I'm that story the way it came in. I don't think it. I don't think my birthday hit. I want to say it was like October. Mm. No, it wasn't my birthday yet because we were still in football season. Got you. And um, and I know around our birthday times, that's when season is like mm -hmm. coming to an end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right around that time. Yeah. Got you. And so and I had broken my leg my senior year, so I I wasn't even like I came back like the last two games, but I wasn't even playing yet. So so. Even so, going through all that shit, you couldn't even be mobile like you wanted to. At a certain point, so like it, January was when we broke up, mm -hmm. and then we didn't like completely like separate. It was like still pregnancy around, yeah, still yeah, pregnancy, yeah. like pregnancy scare type shit. And then like that's when we had the pregnancy scare. That's when we kind of like for real separated. Got you. And. Got you. Um, I still didn't like, I couldn't get over her until, so first time I smoked was just me on the reckless shit was like lying to my parents, spring break my junior year and uh, sneaking out. And then the next time, second time I did it was that summer. And it was some of us, some like captains on the football team, shit like that. Mm -hmm. And a buddy of mine who I went to middle school with, we were never best friends or no shit like that, but we was buddies. And he asked me like, would you care if I dated her? Mm -hmm. And I was like, in my mind, I didn't think he could get her. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, but still, I was honest. I was like, yeah, kind of like, 
you know, it, it, we play on the football team together. We, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it would kind of bother me. So he didn't go straight to getting with her, but he wasn't asking hypothetically. You know what ah, I mean? Got you. <laughs> and so gotcha. he ended up, like, she, we went to, so all of these things, if you, it's so funny looking back at them now because all of these things just are like serendipity. Yeah, and it's crazy that you say that because if you go back 15 years ago when you was going through it, Maybe pops or somebody would have told you you're gonna look back at this and it's gonna. Oh, be they funny. did. I mean, bro, it was. It's it, we don't want to hear that shit. We my like, homies almost disowned me, bro. Yeah. Like I was on the. I was. I had no care of how I was. I've never cared how I was perceived. So when yeah. I was going through the darkest period of my life, mm -hmm. I was acting in ways that were d aligned with that darkness. With that darkness. And I yes. did not care how I was perceived. I didn't give a fuck what you thought. Mm -hmm. And my homies was like, "Tee off his rocker. We might have to like fall back." And, but again, the the moment that allowed me to get over that mm -hmm. was when she called me the day. So we went on a field trip mm -hmm. and watched Hamlet. We went down to Circle Center, Circle Center Mall in mm -hmm. downtown Indianapolis, and we got to see Hamlet. And I loved the play. I felt again, I just love Shakespeare from mm -hmm. the Midsummer Night's Dream that made me fall in love with it and go back to acting and try to end up in it to this play that we've seen. After the play, she called me because she had already graduated and I was still in high school mm -hmm. um, and told me that she was with, with Buddy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, something about it didn't make me, I was able to get over her in that moment. Like it made me ecstatic mm -hmm. because something about it clicked. It was like, oh, she doesn't care about you the way that you care about her. That part. And that, and again, it didn't make me bitter or anything. It was like, that was the one thing that whatever inside of me was holding on needed to let go. And I got it. And from there, I just felt ecstatic. And I was like, that was the whole jumping point that led to the enlightenment moment. Mm -hmm. Because from that whole year of depression in 2006, then I was just like elated yeah. to not be depressed anymore. And it was like, well, I'm curious. Church has always been something that my mom took me to, but like nobody in my family is that intellectual about, but I am. Mm. I'm, I question everything. So I had all these questions and this is my senior year of high school, like autumn. And for about a year, I dove in continually deeper into these questions, diving deeper into religion, diving deeper into the soul searching. Mm -hmm. And about a year later, my freshman year of college, that was when that enlightenment moment happened. It was a thing, a series of events that all led up to that from mm -hmm. me wanting to take a yoga class and it being full to then we got this um, Techniques and stress meditation, techniques and stress reduction class that's open. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sounds cool. I get in there. This guy's talking and doing all this. He's talking all this stuff that's like I'm catching. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Everybody else thinks that you're weird, but I'm picking up what yeah, you're, you're picking putting up. down. Mm -hmm. And then I ask him a couple questions. The floodgates open. The enlightenment moment hits. We're off to the races. But every single thing makes sense because from the getting with the girl to having the the tumultuous relationship and passionate and all that other stuff to breaking, getting my heart broken, to learning how to deal with a broken heart, yes. to learning how to deal with the intense emotions that I felt, not getting rid of them, mm -hmm. not numbing them or having some 
repressive response. Mm -hmm. But like, I learned if it's as they come up, I can transmute them and I can be present for them and I can deal with them. They don't have to control me. Yeah. And again, like from them getting together, they ended up married and having a couple kids and then divorced and all sorts of other shit. That was a whole wow. life that I could have lived that that wasn't for me. Wow. God said, this is, I'm going to take you through this, yeah. you go to that, to get to this, and now we're going to be here and, and we're going to go from here to wherever we're going. Yeah. <laughs> Now, at that moment in time when you was going through that, did you did you fully trust your journey that you was going on or coming out of that darkness? In the darkness? Yes. In the darkness, I had no... I, you didn't it, see no light at the end was, of the tunnel. There was blurry-eyed, teary confusion. Yeah. I got the worst grades of my life. I got physically sick. I had the most problematic relationship with my parents that I've ever had. Like, I don't remember a single thing about my little brother from that period, that entire year. Like... And that's my first memory, like my, I'm closest to my baby brother, but like, I don't remember anything but darkness that year and until I came out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bro, it was just. And did you ever see yourself coming out of it though? No. No. When I was in it, no. Yeah. no. And that's what got to the point of suicide because you don't see an end to it and you don't see a way out. So mm -hmm. that's that becomes the one thing that you're like, okay, maybe this is it. Like, nothing else is working. Everything, everybody's telling you that you got to get over it, but you don't Man. give a fuck. Yeah. I started writing. Like, I, I found poetry was a way that I dealt with my pain. Like, when my yeah. granny died, I wrote my first poem. And then when I broke up with this girl, I was writing left and fucking right. Yeah. And, like, you pour the shit out, and then it comes back. And you pour the shit out, and, and it, it comes, comes back. back. And it's yeah. like, bro, how much can I fucking pour out? Like, I yeah. got it. I thought I got rid of all of it. I've been doing this for a year, damn near. Yeah. But, yeah. like, if you keep doing it, you again it wasn't even me trusting the process so i ain't even gonna say you trust the process you just keep going and then i really in a lot of ways this is like it's like fate because yeah. if it was faded then that pregnancy scare could have turned into a real pregnancy yeah. if it was faded anything could she could have gotten back with me and not with but there's any got no, married yeah could have yeah. got married yeah. like i wouldn't be here you wouldn't so, be here exactly so <laughs> it's, it, that's why i say you, when you let go and you just flow with things that's it makes it that much when you especially if you have enough life experience to look back on and mm -hmm. see like Every time I was trying to hold on to something and it got taken away, it was for the best. For the best. Come on, man. Say that shit again. Message. So for why? Like, I'm not holding on to nothing no more. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to just learn my lesson. And see, that thing uh, with a lot of people um, who don't go through certain circumstances that we may have went through, that's that'd be one of the hardest things to do is let go. Let and go. I feel for them because I was there. I know it's not fucking easy if you haven't went through that. Yeah. You can't. That's why I say you can't build character. But that's why superficiality has to take a fucking back seat. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't care about what the way that you look like. But that shit has to be secondary, my nigga. If your soul's not right, then none no of soul. that matters. None of it, yep. And that is the part that you have to, like... The soul stuff is the stuff that you you have to go through the experience of. You can't buy presence. You can't buy character. You, But if you haven't been through stuff... Then you don't that you can't build it. Real talk. Because you can't buy it, then that's the way you build it. Real is talk. through experience. So get out there and live your fullest life, man. If you are don't be scared. People who are scared of getting hurt, but you're gonna get hurt anyway. Any, life yeah. is like gonna happen. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Physically, mentally, and emotionally, pain is unavoidable unless you have congenital insensitivity, which is one of the things that led me to under to have that enlightenment moment, which is where you don't feel a sense of touch physically. Like the most some of these people feel is like a physical sense of pressure, mm -hmm. but 
you can't talk to them about a cut. And like the medical danger is pain is how your body lets you know something's wrong. Exactly. So you get cut and oh, I need stitches, but you don't know it. You, you fuck know. around and bleed out. Yeah, like you somebody like, getting shot and all that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, you have no clue. Yeah. All the programming of the mind. And like you said, man, um, it's just one of them things of now to the point that you're at, you deal with pain a whole lot different than what you what you have done in the past. And I think that's accredited to you mastering yourself. You get what I'm saying? To you mastering yourself. And that's one of the keys of meditation and everything. So take us to that that moment of suicide. Like what just that moment when you was about to do it. So the two moments that really like stand out. Mm -hmm. Like I put the gun to my head, little handgun. Um and it was a BB, I don't know, I think it was a BB gun. Mm -hmm. But I just did it to see how, like, you know, how it felt to yeah. have something that could actually be, something that was actually loaded and yeah. could really do some damage mm -hmm. to my temple. And looking in the mirror and then, like, somebody coming in, like, not into the, the bathroom, but, like, somebody coming in the house and me being like, all right, you're not about to do this right now, so, you know, you put that away. Mm -hmm. And then reading something online that was I don't know if it was on like suicide hotlines or some shit like mm -hmm. that but it was like an online thing and it was talking about um, it was basically like just talking people who were feeling those feelings and having those thoughts mm -hmm. through them and it was saying as it talked you through it that like part of the reason that you want to do this or the main reason that you want to do this is because you think that it's gonna stop the pain and suffering that you feel mm -hmm. But there's no guarantee that that's the case. Yeah, it's not. And when, I mean, I'm a logical person, so regardless of how much pain I was in, that made that pierced my intellect. Was exactly. Like, I can't deny that. Like, you're if you're absolutely right. If we're having a conversation about this, I'm doing this to end the pain that I feel because I think this is the only way. Mm -hmm. But if it don't work. And I end up in some more fucked situation. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to deal with that. Like, that just made me realize, like, nah, bro, We whatever we got to deal with, we're going to deal with here and face it head on. Because if you run from some shit and then you end up in some worse shit, I don't know how to deal with that. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. So what would be your advice, man, to anybody that's going, that's going through them thoughts currently that is watching and or listening like what would be your advice to them this ain't gonna sound like no um i'm giving pause before i say this because i don't mean this lightly you really feel like it do it mm -hmm. you really feel like it do it even after listening to what i just said about the fact that there's no guarantee that it alleviates whatever you're going through And if you don't, keep living. Just keep living. Matthew McConaughey, who's another Scorpio King, yes, brother, sir. got the same birthday. Uh, McConaughey, man. He's got a he's got a, a thing where it's just keep living. That's like his. That's kind of his, his little. Like I think he might have a foundation behind it. I, I know that that was like he's just his thing. Just keep living. Mm -hmm. And that's how I had to press myself because I don't do that soft shit. Like I was born on a marine base. Like if my if I would have told my daddy I was suicidal of that girl, he wouldn't have like, oh well, son, we need to get you into therapy. Yeah, my daddy would have he would have checked me. Yeah. Like he probably would have punched me in my fucking chest or some shit like that. Like yeah. 
and he didn't my daddy wasn't abusive and didn't put his hands on us like that but like that type of shit like if you talk about something like that mm -hmm. again you're pushing the envelope you're not playing i remember saying to the girl that like i was thinking about she was like tyler stop playing i'm gonna or i'm gonna call your mom right now yeah. and i didn't want her to call my mom because i don't I didn't want anybody thwarting my plans for one. Exactly. And I, but I don't want to have a, I don't want to have a conversation about this either. Yeah. Because if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna just I'm gonna do, do it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it. when it comes to anybody who's at that point of like pain, bruh. There are people who really do it. Like our, we got a rider who lost somebody recently to that shit, and like people really do be lost, bro. Like if you are so lost. Then so, that you're gonna do it Then my words trying to tell you Probably ain't gonna help I'm here to tell you that There is no guarantee That that's the way out though And in my mind I don't think that it is Because I again I said humans are three layers With the fourth layer of awareness The physical, mm -hmm. mental, and emotional But the awareness precedes all of that Mm-hmm and yes, we may need a human body to experience human experiences, but we don't, nobody can speak about what the experience is like when you shuffle off this mortal coil. Yeah. So if you're trying to yeah. initiate that yourself, you're die like that goes back to Hamlet where Hamlet, the whole to be or not to be speech is him considering suicide. Mm. Like for anybody yep. who doesn't know Hamlet, Hamlet's story is that his father died. He was away. Imagine him being away at college or some shit. His father dies. So he comes back for the funeral. Within a month, his mother has already gotten with his uncle. Mm. Then he starts having... Imagine this is like your real life. Don't put this off into some fairy tale world. Imagine that your daddy really dies and then your mama starts dating and fucking your uncle. Mm -hmm. Then you start having dreams. Of your daddy's ghost coming to you and telling you, leave your mama out of this. She ain't got nothing to do with it, but your uncle. That whole ass nigga did it. Mm -hmm. And you got to take him out. Now you don't know if you're hallucinating. You're already mad at your uncle because he shouldn't have done what he done as far exactly. as getting with your mama. And you're just, you don't know if you should take your own life. So now you're to that point. That's You have to do all the back work to get to the point before you can really load up a trigger. and say, To be or not to be. Yeah, like that is the question: whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows, or to end them. Like I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. He's, yeah, he's saying, like, should I just should I end the shit? But then he has this whole part of question, like, because what dreams may come? Why don't we just? He said, what dreams may come when we shuffle off this mortal coil? You don't know. So that's why people go on about their days that they can't stand or you don't you when people can't find a reason to live but they still don't kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Your scary ass don't know what's on the other side. Yeah, and exactly. you should be, my nigga. Yeah. You don't know. So <laughs> let yourself go when you go because you're going to get there anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to when you trying to talk about killing yourself, you're trying to rush the process that's inevitable because yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. Like we don't have to debate that you're going to die. If you just want to do it sooner, rushing to get to wherever the fuck that is, Maybe wherever the fuck or however the whatever the fuck happens is going to be different to you based on that. Exactly. Maybe your experience in consciousness continues to be that turmoil because you didn't work through it. Work through it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's heavy. That's deep. You just don't know, my <laughs> nigga. So keep going. Just keep living. Yeah. That's deep. Deep talks with T. Let's talk about it.
Detox with T. <laughs> this is one of them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Detox with T came about um, my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't into acting yet. I had just gotten into, like I said, I was on my spiritual journey. I just had that moment of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And... And I don't even know if I had had that moment yet, but by the time my my buddies were telling me I should do this, I think I had because it was all the things that I was studying and talking about and absorbing at that time were around the same content. But because my friends hadn't heard anybody talk about this type of stuff, mm-hmm. um, and by my friends, they were just the new people I met that year. Um, they were like, dude, you should have a talk show. You should have a talk show. You should have a talk show. Like one of our riders keeps saying, you know, you should yeah. have a talk show. And I was resistant because I was like, that's not what I saw myself doing. I had nothing. You know, I was an athlete. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, I was trying to find my way outside of that world. And then one of them came up with that name. That's what it hit. He was like, you should call it Deep Talk with T. And I was like, ooh, that's clever. And something was that made me run with it. Mm-hmm. And so I did like three episodes. Um they caught some like they caught some little steam you know what i mean i realized like i went back to pick my little brother up i went back to my hometown and picked my little brother up from school and then people at my old high school who i didn't think were paying attention to were like oh we watching your stuff and i was like my motherfuckers is really watching this shit but i wasn't doing it for my ego and that made me a little weary that people were watching it because i didn't want to get involved like i didn't want my ego to get involved in it yeah and so i at a certain point i was like I said what I had to say, what I had come up, what my understanding was at the time, but that was like the first episode, and mm-hmm. I pretty much got out what I, my understanding was at that point, it wasn't very deep, it was just like, oh, I'm in this blissful state of awareness because of this little bit I know, mm-hmm. but I can't really talk too much about it, Yeah, and I found myself in moments, like this is back before, like, YouTube was even like really yeah. popular. I was doing these on Facebook Live and shit like that, and then yeah. putting the videos up on. I can't even find the episodes because Facebook doesn't even have the videos anymore. So it was got to the point where I was like looking off into space and trying to find my thoughts and rambling about things that I just didn't have a perspective on. And so I fell back because I was mm-hmm. like, my ego could get involved in this if I just keep doing it for the sake of my buddies telling me I should do it, and I don't feel it right now. You don't now. feel it, yeah. So I stopped. And then I got back out here and people had always told me I should write a book, but it never, I, w- I never knew what I'd write about. I never knew what I'd give myself to. And then I happened to be chilling with this young lady, shout out Janessa. Um, and she, I was talking about these things that, uh, like I talk about the given circumstances, the objectives, the way that I make sense of the human experience through the tools of script analysis and basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the, the human hierarchy of needs, the needs we all share, the needs we all have. And she, as I was talking about those things, she was like, you should write a book. And I was like, that's it. People have told me I should write a book my whole life. That's what the book should be about because that's the, this is shit that I live and breathe and helps me make sense of every single interaction yeah. I have and every single interaction I hear about other people having. So I can write about this because this is I really live and breathe this shit. And then as I was thinking about that and then I was um, I kept I, I was driving Uber at the time and I was like I was using people who I would drive with as like spinning boards. You know what I mean? Anybody who wanted to talk to me, that was where I'd redirect the conversation back to. And they would always be like, then they'd say something like, you should write a book or you should do something. And I was like, OK, this is fucking confirmation. confirmation yeah. Every time somebody hears yes, about sir. this knowledge, they're like. <laughs> Ooh, you should do something with this. And I was like, all right, bro. 
you were exploring back in college when they were telling you you should do this but now you find yourself explaining the same shit over and over and over and over and people telling you you should write a book you should be doing something with this what are you doing t talk with t that's an outlet I don't have to. It's my, I can make it whatever I want to make it, mm-hmm. and I can just spit this shit that people want to hear. And then when they, then when I get in conversation with people and they be like, "You should do something with it," I can point them to it. Exactly. I can. Say, I don't even have to go. I can remain my introvert self, damn near if I want to, and exactly. just point you to the, the video that I made already. You want to hear about <laughs> me talk about ambition? Go to the roof is on fire. You want to hear yeah, me talk yeah, yeah. about <laughs> like how you always are gonna acclimate to every stage? Go to the acclimation episode. Like mm-hmm. all the shit that I talk about, I could just get out in these episodes. Hmm. And it's rolling. I'm writing the book right now. Um, I, I've been writing it, but it kept getting stalled, you know, from technological things and me trying to figure out how deep I want to go. Because, like you said, you, Robert Greene's my favorite author, right? Mm-hmm. And he writes 600 plus page history books and shit like that that I love consuming. But I realized that not a lot of, not, I shouldn't say not a lot of people because he ends up a New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. But I don't meet a lot of people, even though people know him. I don't meet a lot of people who have actually read all 600 yeah. pages of a lot of things. They they reference 48 Laws of Power. They do <laughs> things, but they don't. They're not. I don't know if they really read. Yeah, you know exactly. 48 Laws of Power, The exactly. Art of Seduction, The 33 <laughs> Strategies of War, The 50th Law of Power. It's like a college book. The, the yeah. Art, yeah, The yeah, 33 yeah. Strategies of War. Exactly, Mastery, The Laws of Human Nature, The Daily Laws. Mm-hmm. Like I love Robert Greene's material, and I've consumed everything that he's written, mm-hmm. that he's released and interviews and shit like that to the point that like this latest book has a whole lot of stuff that it's it's a compilation of stuff that he's done in interviews i am two pages ahead of what we're at because i can mentally i know what he's saying already because i've consumed so much so i say all that to say that it became a problem for me because i was like i'm not not trying to write another robert green book i adore his work so much but i have to separate what I adore about his work, and this is my piece, mm-hmm. and this is what I'm. What's my objective, and how am I gonna accomplish it with this? Mm-hmm. Because I have something to say, uh, and I've continually been finding that flow. Um, I, I see the structure coming together. Yes, and um, it's gonna be out this year. I'm gonna say that. The I'm book. Gonna, I, I'm gonna say it right here, right now. It's gonna be out this year. It's gonna be out this year. I, I feel it. I'm gonna hold you to that. So you gonna come here, right? That's why I just said it. I just I told you, bro. I don't get in the way. When God say something through me, I just let it. Be, I be the vessel for it. It's gonna be out this year. But we gonna have it first, right? It's the art, man. It's come, come on, you know man. Is, come on, man. Come on, come on, man. We got to. It's, it's it's only right that way you can come back on here, talk about the book and the process because I know we have been talking about it for some years now, and I know it's been a on and off process but just to hear that it's gonna be done this fucking year oh yeah it's gonna be done this year so what can people expect uh, from you in the future man like just with we know the book Deep Talks with T what about the acting The Council 2 yes sir (laughs) yes Yes, sir on that this year um and I'm focused on growth, man. Like I really, like I said, I'm free falling. I'm I've let go of any expectations, any ideas that I, I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I know I'm going undefeated all year. Oh, I mean, that every single day I'm stacking wins because the the wins are under my control. I can't control what opportunities come to me, 
but I can control what I do and what positions I put myself Especially in. Especially in the game. Yeah. We can control how we play on the field. That part. That, that part. part. That's it. So if I wake up every day and I show up for the work and I do what I know I'm supposed to do, because your conscience tells you what you need to do. If mm -hmm. you, Like I said, if you shut the fuck up and then listen and you abide, there's intelligence to the universe. Like your body operates without you telling it what to do, right? That's yes, intelligence. Sir. So trust that intelligence of the universe. It helps you breathe and blink and all sorts of other shit that you do automatically. So just trusting that, yeah, man. And, and if you watching this and you got uh, some casting for me, bring that, bring that road to sweat. You know what I'm saying? They better if they smart. They better if they smart. Now tell everybody how they can get in contact with you, my brother, my rider. Uh, Instagram: Tyler Antoine Gordon. T y l e r a n t o i n e g o r d o n. Um, there. Uh, and you know you can tap in from there go to link in bio and tap in you can get detox with t there you go to youtube <laughs> detox with t but that's that's probably the main place you know check out the imdb and he is single ladies <laughs> scorpio you already know our uh our reputation and we hold true to it it's the patio politics by rod tyler man he will be back once that book drop man shout out to lp the host dj and J. Jasmine Patterson. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, JP. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Jasmine Denise, my bad. Too much coffee and uh, tea. Shout out to T. Millie Mill in the back about to blow the camera up. This is the Patio Politics. I'm your friendly neighborhood, man. J5TH. We live. We having fun. If you want to talk shit, get behind the mic. We out of here like this. We hope you stay a while. Because it's right for life. Trying to be part of your life. We got whatever you like. Come on and just give us a try, yeah Cause it's right up for life Trying to be part of your life We got whatever you like, yeah Come on and just give us a try, yeah I said it's right up for life Come in with the shows that you like We trying to be the best on the mic DJ playing cuss that you like, yeah It could be the start of your day Or maybe just the end of your night, uh, uh. But if you rock it with us, patio politics is gonna do you right. Oh, oh, oh. Cause it's right up for life. Oh, trying to be part of your life. Yeah. We got whatever you like. Whatever you like. Come on and just give us a try. Yeah. Cause it's right up for life. Oh, trying to be part of your life. Oh, we got whatever you like. Ooh. Come on and just give us a try. Yeah. We hope you stay a while.